Welcome to our podcast. It's not prod. I can't. It's pod. I think I think I need to teach language pathologists right about now. Let's try that one again. Hello, SLPs. Welcome to True Confessions with Lisa and Sarah. Okay, can start confessing now. This is so cheesy. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Sarah. How the heck are you doing? I'm great, and it's lovely to see you back in the AZ. I know. It's been a minute. It's been a long minute. <laughs> Jeez. It probably won't last very long. I am, I I am know. here for the month of October, though, the entire month. Okay. Yeah. Well, I saw your post about, oh, I'm going home to AZ. My heart's in Colorado. This well, is your home. Okay. No? <laughs> You've already moved. You've already there. No, I love when I come back to Arizona because in Colorado, I have nothing. Like even there's no DoorDash. This is such third world problems, but no DoorDash, no Uber. You've got to go like an hour to get to a Walmart. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I have only lived in cities. So I am, it freaks me out. I told you when I lived there, I could not, I could not do the lack of DoorDash. There is no way. But then you had no Target. There was no fast food. What else was I trying to find? A Walgreens I had to go like 45 minutes yeah. for. Well, Walgreens is 50 minutes, <laughs> an hour away. So that's the kind of stuff. So when I come back into town, it's literally like right now, your dog groomer that you recommended, Kate, is outside yeah. doing the dogs. So the dogs are getting groomed. Got my my nails done. I've got like some doctor's appointments. I'll get my teeth clean. So it's like I come back to the big city. <laughs> the craziest too was like the idea of, again, because Typically, we don't have these issues in most areas, but like when you had the plumbing problem and you couldn't get anybody out for two oh, months or whatever three, it was. Three weeks, but it felt like two weeks. You need something. Somebody's there. So, right. but Well, no, I'm no. happy you're back and I can't wait to see your face in real life. Soon. Anyways, yeah. if this is not about us, we have a guest in the confessional. <laughs> so we are so excited to introduce you to Rachel Frum. That's from Washington. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, Rachel. Thank you. Hi, so welcome. So, we love, you know, we always kind of go into our podcast. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say like we go into a blind, we do know kind of the topic, but it is, I mean, we literally just discover along with the audience. So, we really like this topic today. We're going to be talking just about collaboration in general. And I know. Everyone, whether you're listening or in on this conversation, has had probably many experiences with collaboration, some successful, some not. So um, super excited to have you with us today, Rachel. Thanks. Yeah. Tell us a little so. bit about you. Like, who are you and where are you from and how long you've been doing this? Um, I think I'm on my seventh year now. I don't know. I lost yeah. count. Um, but I worked primarily in the schools only. Um, I did K-5 up until this last year when I I'm switched to preschool, which I feel like is the queen of collaboration <laughs> with all my little three-year-olds. I have a three-year-old at home, so that has been fun kind of learning that side of like typical development and things like that in my own home and then um, working in the schools and doing that. But I really like 
working with others. I've told my friends that I'm like a professional Robin to their Batman. Like I love <laughs> being the sidekick. I don't necessarily want to be the front man, but I like want to support whatever you are doing. And I want to like help you achieve those things. So like, you know, I'm like passenger princess, all those things, you know. Passenger princess and the Robin to somebody's Batman. Those are, first of all, both amazing ways of saying that. But also, we are typically the Batman. I mean, I wish I was the Batman. I'm not that great. But <laughs> like, we're the, we're solo. Who's a solo superhero? We're Iron Man. Superman, I guess. I don't know. Superman, yeah. <laughs> so that I love that. That and that is truly like the piece of supporting. I think most people struggle with how to support without being an assistant or a tutor or a you know. So yeah, I, 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 I want like like you're not giving enough. Yeah. Yes. That's probably validating to the person you are supporting because I I'm sure we'll get into this as we chat today, but I always felt like communication and having really kind of set, not expectations and rules, but having a conversation around collaboration is so big. Like, what is your role? What is my role? How do we support each other? And so I think one of the big things is when people try to go in and they have zero relationship with somebody, they might have the the desire to collaborate, but you know, there are a lot of different personalities out there, both on the SLP side and the teacher side. Mm-hmm. And just to validate, like, I'm not coming in here to tell you how to rule your classroom. I am here to support what you're doing and we're going to do awesome things for kids. Yeah. Yeah. But I want, I would love to hear more about how, um, you, you are the support because again, like I, I, I did preschool and it was my favorite and you're right. That was the, um, probably easiest opportunity I had to collaborate because I was in this uh, preschool classroom with the teacher. And so I used the theme she used and I used the book she used. Um, and so in those ways it was easier, but I still very much felt like this is like, I'm doing these things and I'm working on speech stuff with these kids. You know, I, I still struggled with, you know, how to like do the support role and still be a speech design instruction. Yeah. Right. So I mean, one of the ways that I kind of got more confident with it is um, with kind of our medically complex or medically fragile students that I've worked with, um, because we felt that, um, you know, with vision and OT and PT and all the specialists, they have to see all of us. And with medically complex, they have a window that's that's not very long, right? They have things they need to do throughout the school day and they, you know, only have so much stamina. And so we kept running out of slots, right? Okay, well, can I see this kid on Tuesday at 10? And they're like, okay, well, then I'm going to see him at 10.30. Well, they'd go to OT at 10.30 and they were they were wiped. They were done. They, they had nothing left. And so we just kept kind of like slowly coming together more and more often because the student just didn't have enough stamina in them. And, and that got it so that you could kind of get a flow like, hey, well, you go for 10 minutes and then let me try something for 10 minutes. OK, let, let, let's have you try something for 10 minutes and reposition the student and let me talk with the nurse that they're with while you. So we always kept that. We always felt like we were keeping the kid busy. And that kind of built up my confidence of like, OK, I can always be watching what somebody's doing and then I can come up with something on the side and say, OK, can I try this? And then they you know, it's kind of that float like go and stop it, like a floating role. And I feel like sometimes in preschool, you do it with evaluations, but not so much in the therapy piece. And that's where I practiced it. Like we had a few kids where we just kind of got together more often because the student was just running out of stamina and we made way more progress 
in a shorter amount of time because she was able to recover and have time to rest in between sessions and um, could participate with her peers, doing other activities. So it was like more concentrated and more effective. And that amazing. And I am imagining that then can transfer to students that are not more medically fragile. Mm -hmm. That that same, once you kind of mastered that flow, Mm -hmm. then, then I can see how that would work. That's so interesting. I'd never actually probably thought about it. What about like, this is where too, I think a lot of us suffer from, um, uh, what's the thing I always say, Lisa? Imposter syndrome. (laughs) And so when I am working with another professional, um, you know, like you said, where you could watch and then you kind of knew like maybe how to jump in and do what you do. Um, I, I always got so nervous, like having an audience to do it, or sometimes I don't think on the fly very easily. Um, but it, did it just like that evolve where you start um, to kind of see your role? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've worked with the same occupational therapist for six years. So her and I have like, we've kind of reflected back on like how it doesn't seem like we've worked together for six years because we've we've kind of naturally gone to this. But a lot of times we'll say like, okay, we're going to go see so-and-so at 10 o'clock. What's your goal? And she'll say, you know, I'm going to do this fine motor activity. I'm like, okay. And she's like, what's your goal? And I'm like, I want these core words. And she's like, okay. Like the activity matches the core words. She's like, okay, I've got the language piece. And then I know kind of what we're looking to get from like participation piece or like even with a non-medically fragile, we worked with a fourth grader last year who didn't want to come see either of us. So, you know, like we were just fighting him, like, come on, come to speech or come to OT. And we finally got together and we worked on a story. So he had to do typing for fine motor. And then I would help facilitate the language. Right. And so instead of working separately, you know, I'd say, okay, type the sentence with OT, and then I'm going to get your elements of your story of what's next, and then we'll create the sentence, and then you can work with, so we're all sitting, but we'd kind of say, like, well, what do you, what do you need? And we found a lot of the times it was like, oh, well, you need this language in your activity, and I need this activity for my language. And Fantastic. so building off of that. So the planning piece, like how much time do you guys have? Because that's another part that gets tricky. It's finding time to get together and have those conversations. Right. I'm notorious for not being in my office. (laughs) So I end up just kind of floating through. So again, that's like a personality thing that works really well for me. Like I'll just float by and I'm like, hey, I've got so-and-so and and -and so-and-so today. What do you want to do? And she'd say, this is, and it's gotten faster kind of throughout the years, but it's just like, what, what's your goal? What's my goal? Okay. Yeah. Those match. Or, hey, you know, I'm really hoping to do this. And, you know, okay, let's pivot and let's do that. So, um, you know, and and just kind of understanding what that person is looking for and then supplying the language or the context kind of of what you're hoping to build off that activity. Are you currently collaborating with anyone else? Like, are are you working together then in expanding that into working with the teachers or any other disciplines? Yeah, so we, we've we expanded it to work with teachers, but I also do it, like I said, with my Batman and my Robin. So um, OT and I have um, gone into the classrooms and then we'll pair up each with a para in the classroom and say, okay, here's my activity. And then that para will sit with me and do my speech activity and then we'll send them to the OT and then the teacher. So we'll bring like sensory bin items in and I'll have like a language piece that says, you know, like ask them about all the stuff in the sensory bin. And so the teacher will help kind of facilitate that. 
And then at the same time, they can watch me doing that stuff with the paras or modeling with the paras and kind of rotating through like, okay, who's going to be, you know, who wants to be at the station with me adult wise and rotating with those as Which is well. so good. I mean, we always talk about like, that is the beauty of working in schools is that you're not an island. You're not just sitting in a room by yourself with a kid with sometimes a parent there or sometimes not. Like it's, it's literally this team of professionals. And I love the way that you frame that in that it's, what do you want to get out of it? What do you want to get out of it? This is how we can mutually, you know, achieve our goals by doing this together. And then the, that whole concept of working with the paras too. I mean, they are the people that the teacher and the instructional assistants or paraprofessionals, those are the people that are with them all day in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So to do these isolated things, which I know happens, I have, I've done a million isolated things, but I do think it is interesting once you start to step your toe into that, um, you know, idea of being in the collaboration pond and working together, then you do get so much more bang for your buck. But I do know a question that always comes up then is, but I have to bill for Medicaid billing or I have to write it in my IEP. And if you have them for 10 minutes and we're both there for 30 minutes and then I do 10 minutes, that was always the question. I feel like I heard kind of like a pushback um, against. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? So for my um, higher support need kiddos, we're serving them in the special education setting. So like the OT will work with another student and, you know, we're all still in a SPED setting, even if we're in the same room. So a lot of times if we're doing like, a, like we're both in there for a half hour, we'll say, okay, well, I'll bill for the first 15 and you can bill for the last 15, even though we're both in there for a half hour, right? Because then it's whoever, you know, and whoever we worked with during the 15 minutes. And then the next week we usually switch. Like I'll bill for the second 15 with whatever students I missed, you know, that last week. And again, sometimes I'll say, well, I didn't really work with that student very much, you know, because they weren't feeling what I had. So you can bill for them today because you they were at your station kind of most of the time. Um, and then I, ha I have updated the IEPs to say concurrent. In, in Washington State, we have an option for concurrent. Um, and I have pushed that to, for parents to un understand um because they get really hesitant with the idea that they're losing minutes right if it's concurrent it's not as much time and i've had to kind of flip it and say look that's more time with peers that's more right. time getting them to enjoy their day right like these specialized time is it's really tough for a lot of these kids right their brains are working really really hard so let's get let you know less time doesn't necessarily mean less no gain. you're probably getting more bang for your buck mm -hmm. you know in that situation now back to the medicaid thing and um thank goodness that i don't have a boss right now listening to this um i think i would not have done it that way i think i would have still billed because for the whole 30 minute session because even though you're not doing direct instruction that whole 30 minutes you're if you're still like you said where you're watching and observing and figuring out how, you know, where you're going to flow into this. Can't we bill for the same, the whole thing? Can we not, Lisa? I don't, I don't know. I always did. In the, okay. in the schools, we're not allowed to bill for the same time. So if as another provider, mm -hmm. even though they have concurrent on the IEP, you guys, that is bizarre. Okay. It is bizarre. Uh, so that's, that's kind of why we problem. offset it a little bit. And and again, so like some of that, like put like full push-in model, we're kind of doing that like, okay, here's your station, here's my station. And then we just kind of say, okay, here, split the time and see who kind of was with you. 
Um, okay. But like so you have to collaborate on billing then. Right. Right. Um, Interesting. It's just a lot. You know, again, it's that open line of communication to just saying like, here's here's what's happening. Here's you know, here's what I here's. I've always felt like the more that I've been able to communicate out to people, that people have been receptive to communicate back to me. Right. Like here, here's what I need help with, or here's the things. If you don't ask those questions or you don't give that information out to people, no one will know. I mean, like I said, we're on islands. So the only way that people are going to learn about our job or what we do is to talk about our job to other people, even the billing part, even the, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I find that if I'm more open, then the teachers or the paraprofessionals or assistants will ask me questions like, hey, how can I do this? Because I'm giving them the space to to tell me about what they're seeing or things like that. It's, it's Yes. And that was a question I was going to ask you next, because there's two things. One, like I mentioned, my imposter syndrome, and then I get like, it's real weird. Like I get like, um, what's that like stage, you know, like I freeze hmm. because I'm, I don't know. I get put on the spot. I used to do that in meetings sometimes too, but, um, stage fright. That was more I was thinking. I, this podcast and the last one we recorded, I don't know if it's the time of day, but I always am having word finding problems. So <laughs> everybody just fill in the gaps here <laughs> or, or provide therapy. To I was going to say, or maybe we make your doctor's appointment and get a brain scan. Guys, I, don't know. Something. I, I found myself doing it last time too. But anyway, um, so the stage fright piece, but then also, then there's the opposite where you're collaborating with somebody and there's an ego problem. Um, and I've experienced that one as well. I've had, um, I've worked with amazing professionals, but I have had an experience where I was in the preschool with somebody who was extremely controlling, very much. This is my space. And I will let you know, like extremely Batman. Oh (laughs) yeah. Uh She was all the superheroes together. (laughs) And again, like co-treating and collaborating, is not for everyone, right? Like it is, a, it is a skill and there are times and that's kind of why I've sometimes built like, you know, like I have, I confide in my occupational therapist a lot. And so a lot of times if there's an environment that we're going into and it is more difficult, we know that at least the two of us can make those gains together, right? I've like built my own little community and then we go into those spaces and, and build out from there. Um, if we're running into kind of more blocks than we would like right that's what i was going to ask you have you had those experiences yeah okay let's let's hear a couple of those and how Um, you handled it so you know i've worked in high support uh situations where they've needed aac and the aac wasn't out and and trying to get that you know we all know that hurdle right like i had 12 kids on devices across two classrooms one year and to just make sure that the 12 devices were charged and on desks was like uh was a feat And so, you know, we kind of, I would go in and I would try and set up situations and we ended up doing this like co-treat session four days a week so that I had space and time to be in there every day with support, right? I had like my own little support system to set up devices and model it so that it wasn't just coming from me, right? It was at least, okay, I've trained somebody else and at least we'll practice that and then hopefully it will absorb. It ended up not taking and I ended up switching positions, you know, because of that, it was just like, you can only do it so many times before you feel like, okay, I've given it my all, but you, you have to, I think what saved me was creating that community 
kind of outside of that spot and finding the people that I trust and saying, okay, look, I'm trying to problem solve this. We, we changed the schedule. We changed who the kids were with, you know, we, we would, we would provide several different options and, you know, wait six weeks and see if anything changed. And it didn't, but we're like, look, we've tried this. We know we've tried this. We've documented it. That's no different than if a kid doesn't make progress either, right? Like you've done it, you've tried it. And you say, okay, maybe, maybe somebody else is a better fit, you know, yeah, and, and that's okay, okay. Right. We're not all the best fits for the best things, but it was like more knowing that I could confide in other members of the team and say, okay, I'm going to try this and let's see what happens. And if nothing happens, then I did my best, you know, at least. Oh, that's interesting because Lisa mentioned, talks about this a lot, that it is the school's responsibility to make sure services are met. Um, and you know, so oftentimes that can be difficult when we're placed in a school and I can't refer out like these kids are mine and I'm stuck there. But I love what you said about you documented it. You showed all of the things that you were doing because, you know, again, the end result being that those students make no progress at the year's time. Parents get upset. There's due process. There's all these issues. Um, and then, you know, like one, you've got documentation to support what you did do, but then you've also got the documentation to advocate for yourself. Like, I am doing all of these things like you guys are going to have now at this point, the district needs to help. You've got to either figure out if there's somebody who's a better fit personality wise or whatever, but I've done all of these things, which I think Lisa, wouldn't you agree that most of the time, if, if somebody came to you and said, this isn't working, we're having a conflict with personality or they refuse to whatever, or they're not doing their part. And I didn't have anything to document would I, that's what Talk he made through. When I first stepped into the the role as lead SLP in the district that Sarah and I worked in, I remember, you know, you have all of these feelings as being on the other side of basically administration. And I was talking to one of the directors and I was like, you know, why when, you know, you have a team, you it feels like you always side with parents if there's any kind of like controversy or conflict or dis disagreement. And he goes, you know why we do that, right? And I was like, no, that's why I'm asking, fool. <laughs> no, but he was like, it's it's the lack of documentation. So I know, I know I see a lot of posts and I understand that idea of like how documentation, like sometimes you don't take any. Well, that's true sometimes. But if it's, if you're telling yourself that like eight out of 10 times, you're going to run into a problem because documentation is what saves your butt in so many situations, whether it be my memory sucks and I need to reflect back on it, whether it be that it comes up in some sort of due process issue or whatever, that is your data. And that is, you know, our roles are very data driven. And I, I feel like even maybe ahead of when schools have always had data too in different ways, but when it comes to um, the world of special education, that's tricky. So you, you have to but say, have you, did you ever have that situation? I guess I was just thinking in particular to that case where, you know, you made the attempts for, would you, I think you said six weeks, uh, nothing was working, nothing was changing. And so then you weren't the right fit, but Lisa, well, we, I ended up, we ended up doing it all year, but we changed our approach. Like every, you know, like, okay, okay. like we're still getting okay. these behaviors or, you know, so-and-so is still leaving the room, you know, like, or, you know, okay, the devices aren't out when we've asked for them to be, you know, and then, okay, let's see if we can adjust who the groups are or things like that. And, and we basically, the way we did it was we created this PowerPoint and we had dates and then images. So we would put the, we would put the activities up on a PowerPoint and then have notes on the bottom of like who was supposed to be in each station, like adults, kids, you know, here's the toys that are supposed to be out 
you know, here's our, you know, and then like one sentence of like, these are the core words we're working on and here's the fine motor expectations. And so then it could get pulled up and the teachers had access to it and saying like, hey, here's what we're thinking about. Here's our plan. And then, you know, taking notes off of like, and not super detailed, but just being like, okay, so-and-so, no blocks, not a good choice, you know, like, and then if you see the next week that that person, you know, that you've said, hey, we've talked about, let's not take blocks out because it escalates them. And then you see them taking blocks out like, hey, look, I I noted it like this person, like, let's not take blocks out for them for like a couple of weeks, like let it settle down. Um, But it was like this running document that we just kind of kept updating, had visuals for the kids so that we knew we were accessing it. And again, it's not super formal, but if administration's gonna be like, hey, what, what have you documented? Be like, okay, here's the dates of every time I've gone into the classroom. Here's, you know, their images, but it's like, here's the toys we pulled out for the kids you know, here's the modifications that we made. Okay, we changed it from images to just their names. We changed it from this to this. And like, it's still not working. And we've made all these accommodations. Like what else? Okay. I think I was thinking you were saying like, you you know, with uh, who the um, instruction piece is where you weren't a fit. Like maybe you were not able to collaborate that with the, the parents and the teachers weren't able to you know, help support the AAC needs or something. And so that's where you weren't a fit, but you're thinking more of the being a support to the student. Well, both, both, because it was the expectation that the, that the teacher was also going to follow through with this on the days that we weren't there saying, Hey, look, like we've, we've provided this model of here's when you do your communication time in your classroom, right? You know, you know, time for communication other times, but okay. Like every day at this time, we'll be in here twice a week. And we will set up these activities. And on the days that we're not here, here's the here's the PowerPoint of all the things that you can pull from to facilitate the same structure and the same communication opportunities and the same fine motor opportunities. And then when you go in there and nothing's happening or you come back the following day and it looks like the kids are looking at you like, what are you like, what what are you asking of us? Because nothing was being followed through because even though you've made everything to say, just pull it up, right? Just pull it up. It's, it's the same time every day. The AAC, you know, this is what we expect at this time. And when you're not in there, nothing's happening. But I don't think you can control that. So I think that was your kind of what you were getting at, Sarah. I think you did the best you could within a situation. You provided (laughs) as many supports. And even in that case, it might be that you don't get the teacher on board you might try to just target the one para that you know is like interested yeah. in supporting that. So I think that it's all of our therapy, like whether it's in our tick kit or a kid that, you know, has AAC needs and is, uh, is more complex in their, their goals, that is all part of what we're supposed to do. So even like if a kid didn't show up for school for three weeks, the IEP team is supposed to come together to kind of chat about w- how we can support getting that kid to school. So, it, you know, I think that's just part of the game. And my experience with collaboration, I think I did the most collaboration in elementary and I was in a district that it was kind of expected that you worked at least with your resource teacher. Preschool, I think is already kind of pre-wired to like, like you were saying, both of you, that you do go in there and it is you're in a classroom. There's some form of collaboration, but man, the personalities I worked with over the years, I mean, there is a lot of figuring out. So the fact a that you have somebody that is awesome that you've been able to work with for six years. I think that's, that's special, but
but also cool because I think it does help to build your confidence and your skills that then even if it was somebody new, you've done a lot of trial and error and you can bring that to the table. And, and a lot of it is the confidence. Like I know when I first started going in, I'm like, well, shit, I don't, I don't know. Like I know what I want to do. I'm not quite sure how to figure it out. So then I did start to ask those questions. But even I felt like sometimes there were teachers I worked with one year and it was very different the next year because there were new kids and your dynamic shifts. So there's constant sort of ebb and flow. You're going to run into roadblocks. So if, if, if you go in thinking like collaboration, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to get it. My first attempt, it isn't. I mean, it, it does take a lot. And I think the biggest thing that you can keep in mind is just an open mindset and perseverance and, you know, just know it, you're not going to have perfect days every day. You get one perfect day. Cool. But, you know, keep, keep on trucking. But I feel like collaboration isn't like a an end thing, right? Like there's no, like collaboration isn't like, oh, I, I've, I've nailed it. The collaboration looks like this. Mastered this. Yeah. Right? Like I think collaboration is literally having that open conversation and saying, okay, what's next? Where do we go? You know, what, what is going to change? You know, okay, what, what do we like? What can we do? And then just kind of continuing to show up, right? Even in hard spots or like, if you're not sure how to collaborate, okay, we'll keep going into the classroom or keep, you know, checking in with that teacher and just being like, can, can we chat? Can we talk about those things? And even that to me is collaboration, right? You're not, anytime that you're not sitting on your island and you, and you invite somebody in is collaborating. You're going to get information that you didn't have before, right? If I'm asking a vision teacher, like, hey, how'd it go with so-and-so? I'm going to get information from them that I didn't have on my own. And I can take that information and, and run with it or say, okay, cool. Thanks. Or the teacher saying, okay, well, I'm really looking for this image. Okay. Tell me more about that. Why, why do you want this specific image? Can I get that for you? You know, what does that look like in your classroom? But again, like just showing up, just making sure that they know that you're there, you know, yes. and I know that's, that's hard for a lot of us when we're drowning in paperwork and all that stuff. But I, I, I find that, that. I get a lot, it, it like fills my bucket, right. To be able to have these conversations. Cause then they come to me. I know. And I want to talk more about that too, because there is definitely a way to build that rapport and relationship that we need to talk about because not everybody's good at that. Um, but two, I love what you said about it's not the end game. It is a constant work in progress. And I don't know what it is. And I'm, I shall only ever speak to myself where I feel like I should be just really good at these things. Like I should just know how to do it. And, you know, it might take me a little bit of a learning curve, but then I'm going to get it, you know, and that's just was not ever my experience. And so then you do, you get hard on yourself, you know, or start to question, you know, if you're doing the right thing or you're in the right setting or career. Um, and so I love that. Like, I think that is the most important thing to make sure everybody just show up and keep trying. And it's amazing if you can say, this ain't going great. And I am struggling, or this is new to me. I've never done it, but I know what's best for kids. And I know this is the best thing is if we can work together and we work on the same vocabulary words and we're using the same curriculum from this classroom, that it's going to be better for the student in the long run. And I want to work together to do this. You know, like it's huge. I don't know why I always felt like I needed to be the language expert and that, you know. I think the staff, 
you know, I remember having a conversation with a kindergarten teacher where she would always be like, but you're the language expert. And I'm like, but so are you, you teach kindergarten. <laughs> like that's what you're working on too. So I think mm-hmm. it's kind of leaving the egos aside. I love that whole idea of like humility of saying, this is, it's, it's okay to say what you don't know. You don't know everything. You shouldn't yeah. know everything. Yeah. And especially with the collaboration, um, you know, I, I think of one of the things that can be overwhelming too, when you're thinking of starting something new is you think, oh, I've got to do this with everyone. So like, I know one of my, I, I worked with my resource teachers. That was a great way. But I remember a gen ed teacher that I worked with because I had 13 of her kids. It was, there was an AM kindergarten class and a PM kindergarten class that she taught with two separate caseloads. And um, I was like, this is dumb. Why am I going to pull out all of your kids all day? Like, let's just go in and we'll work together. And so it's just that open mindset of just being honest. Like you said, I've never done it before but let's figure out and let's have these conversations to see how we can best support these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's like, I, even the idea of just being like, you know, if somebody comes to you with a question about the student you're collaborating with, or they, you both work with, and you're like, I have no idea. This is new to me too. Let's figure it out together. Or I'm going to just try some things and we're going to see what sticks, you know, like, I don't know why we struggle to admit that, you know, this is new territory for me too. I'm also learning with you. Let's, let's do it together. How much cooler is that? <laughs> like to the, again, that you're not on your own with all the pressures and stuff. I think we put on ourselves to, you know, make these like amazing games with our students. Um, so how did so, you, Rachel, like, how did you identify that OT was going to be the person of all of the people? Because there could have been other team members. How did this even kind of pop up? I mean, I did, I did start with resource. We had some kids and I just kept, it was my first year and I just said I was new and she had, um, you know, she was like, I love communication. Like I love, I, you know, I, 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 you know, because I've had the conversations with them and they're like, oh yeah, I, you know, I teach, used, the resource teacher used to teach preschool. So she's like, you know, I need communication in my lesson. So she kind of opened up to me and I said, okay, well, can I, can I come help you and and build from there? And she's like, yeah, I got five kindergartners in here from this time to this time. Show up. Let's see if we can make it work. You know, cause it was just her and five kindergartners. So she's like, anything you can do. And it just kind of built from there. Right. Okay. Like, let's see what she's doing. Let's see how this is going. Or, you know, like, again, I, I like, I like taking information from other people. Like I'm one of those people and this probably drives other people crazy. I get everybody's schedule input before I make my own schedule, right? I want to know what you're doing. I want to know what this kid's doing. Most people are like, oh, I'm going to schedule you at 1030, you know, on a Thursday because that's what works for me. I want all the information first. And then I'm going to process all that information, which can be overwhelming for some, but that's how my brain works. And I like to get it all. And then I say, okay, where do I fit, right? Where, where do I fit in this puzzle? You know, if so-and-so is doing this at this time, okay, I can fit in right here and it's not going to make everything kind of upheaval. It's just, I'm just going to come in and, and it's hopefully going to work. Right. And then if you try to fit into that piece and it doesn't work, okay, try again, you know, nope, <laughs> I'm just going to go over here. So it was more kind of like, I was, I was new and I, I didn't really know where to go. So I just started showing up in people's classrooms or the resource room teacher or, you know, sat in with the school psychologist and was like, where are we at? Like, why, you know, why is this kid so hard to test? And, you know, what, what can I help you with or what information do you need? And it just kind of has grown from there of just like 
give me everything you got. Like, I love the information. I want to be, I want to know all the things and then see where I can fit because it's so hard to take communication out of any of it. We can't separate it out. So I might as well be a part of all of it and, and then see where it takes, you know, and each kid is different too, right? Like where one kid might be really motivated to talk about something during a certain activity, they might not in a different situation. And so we're, you know, teachers or professionals, right? They might be really willing at this time of day, but not so much when they're teaching math, which I'm okay with, right? Like leave me out of math. Like I'm not going to go in there during math, but like during writing, I, I like collaborated with a third grade teacher. Cause she's like this, these two students are just taking a really long time to get their writing done. And they were Arctic kids. So I just said, okay, like, like let's, you know, prep them. They'll come with me. We'll practice some words and sentence structure and conversation and then we'll get them back in. But she was just like, look, I need them to finish the writing. <laughs> like, what can you do? And I was like, I can work on their writing, you know, like being open and having them tell me where to go. It just seems, it seems more like than, than, than taking that lead and being like, yes, I'm going to do this and no one's going to stop me. That just seems so, so, I don't know what the word is. Like, a, And our jobs are not rigid. They're not the, the kids that we work with, anything. And so I do think that's huge is that everything that we've chatted about today, I do feel like it's that idea of just being open, being yeah. okay to do things poorly sometimes, but then yeah. learning from it and pivoting and you know that's and also being collaborative like that is the key you cannot walk in to anyone else's classroom and start telling them how things should be done no one's going to take kindly to that no one um it's you know it'd be if somebody came into the speech room and told me how to run my groups and what to do and what to use i'd be like take a hike so I think that is, I think sometimes we make that mistake of thinking, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, and sometimes it's because we're in the room and we can see from a different perspective and we have a, we have a different perspective. So we can see, oh, if they would just do this or like, you know, I wish they wouldn't do that, you know, so you want to kind of, you know, be giving that feedback or, or telling, but you've got to do it in a way that's collaborative and not bossy and like a real conversation right and yes. i feel like that those words should be synonymous right collaboration is conversation right they they can't be Love they can't that. be different because you can't collaborate without talking to someone about what the plan is and a lot of times too the other way that i kind of got into it was you know it would be iep time and we'd be going to write goals so i'd go to that teacher and be like what do you need like i'm writing goals so like yeah i can come up with my own i can work on them in my room what are you seeing in the classroom where's the hiccup and then I would write those goals. So then the teacher would be like, oh, yeah, that's the goal that I wanted. So then they'd give me materials or they'd say, let's work on this together because that's what they were seeing. That's the communication piece that they were seeing. And, yeah, sometimes they would say, well, I'm not the language expert. I'm like, yeah, but where's the communication pitfall that you notice? We all yeah. like, that. And, and again, don't don't give me the scientific language. Just say, oh, he cannot give me three sentences together. Right. Or. He tells me a story and I have no idea where he's going. Okay, great. I'll work on that. You know, like give me just a general idea and I'll take it yeah. and I'll make a goal. But then, then you get the, it's just like getting buy-in with students, right? Yeah. The teachers can identify with it. They'll buy in and say, Hey, look, I, I worked on this today or, you know, I've noticed that it's getting better. 
you know, let's make another goal or let's do something like that. That was exactly the next point I wanted to make is buy-in. And that's, that's the piece. So one, you have to have the rapport. You have to have a relationship with mutual respect, um, you know, and uh, willingness to, to work together, but then you've got to get them the buy-in and what better way to do that than to, like you said, collaborate on what are you seeing in the classroom? He's in there seven hours a day. I want to support those things, you know, and I, and we should be doing that with teachers and parents and everybody anyway. Um, again, not an island. We're serving, working with a whole student. So and, and I love also that. thinking you have to do it with everybody, right? If you have 50 kids on your caseload, oh, I have to talk to every, every teacher and, right. talk, and collaborate on every goal. No, just pick the kids that, that, you know, and a lot of times it starts for me, like I, I get stuck. So I'm like, okay, who's got information for me? I don't know. I'll go find it from somebody else. And then that'll, you know, if I know where I want to go with the students, then yeah, I'll keep going on my own and, and I'll just let the teachers know what's going on. But if I'm stuck or I think that we might need to make a pivot, then yeah, I'm going to reach out. And usually that's going to lead to a better plan, right? I, that is fantastic. First of all, if that didn't just take about 10 pounds of pressure off of you, by having that, you know, knowledge that like, you know, if you know, you know, obviously the R's pick students, we know what the goal is we know where we're going to go with them. You know, like some of those that are very concrete, you don't have to maybe do all of the, you know, conversation about what kind of goals it's, but the ones that are complicated or that you're not sure, those are the amazing ones to start with because then you can get help. That will like, it, even if they're telling you academically what that child is, is struggling with, then you can go or like, even better if they would give you the like grade level standards that they're struggling with. It's so, then you can take that and figure out what are those communication underpinnings that are making it difficult for them to be able to do this skill. Right. Those are my goals. Go back with the teacher and think like, do you think these things would help? You know, it's, that's amazing that now they've got buy-in, they can see how that's going to help them in the classroom. Or the students with the social and behavior ones too. You know, the teachers would love our support on some of those more challenging kids who have difficulty, you know, with um, outbursts or expressing themselves effectively or, you know, not participating in the classroom at all. So I think that's amazing. I love that. Yes, you don't have to do all these things with all team members and you don't have to do them with your entire caseload. No, no. You don't. And, and it's just that slowly, but surely, you know, like everything in our job, slowly, but surely just make your, make your progress, you know, keep working through it. And, and it, it, you know, and you will hit roadblocks. You always will. But again, the ones that work will work really well. And then again, you're going to have those conversations with parents that are going to be really hard and they're going to be all for it. But again, if the, it's having those conversations and explaining why, why you're doing those things, why, why, you want to do those things and how they're going to give you the, you know, big bang for your buck and how we can get creative. I tend to use that word a lot with parents. Like I'm collaborating and being really creative with this because the students that are on our caseloads aren't learning the traditional way anyway. So we might as well say we're being creative because we are right. That's our whole job is to be creative. So that will look different, right? I might see them once every other week because I'm working with another professional and that student at the same time, because if it was working traditionally, they probably wouldn't need us. So fantastic. I love that people too. Like when I started collaborating, because you are not again, just hold up in the the speech room 24 seven, it kind of gave me street cred. 
(laughs) I felt like people came to me more than they did before because when you work, when you have that one, like again, just start with the one person that's willing to do this with you. And then they talk to their peers and it just, it validated our role and our skill set in a way that I never felt validated before. Right. And again, like people will start to ask you questions because, you know, like word will get out. I mean, it's schools. Word gets around and and both good and bad, you know, there's just how it is. But, you know, oh, they'll say, oh, I talked to so-and-so and and they said, let's try this. And then all of a sudden somebody will say, come up and say, hey, did you talk, did you tell so-and-so about this? I'm like, yeah, what do you need? You know, and they'll, and they'll, again, you'll build a a relationship that you didn't necessarily have. Um, And so, yeah, it's like going back to that, just showing up piece and just being like, yeah, I'm here. I'm available. I'm not, you know, sitting and doing paperwork all day. And again, it's, it's a management piece because we still have to do the paperwork, but it's letting people know that it's not my way, right? Like it's yeah. really your way and I'm here to help you, right? Like if it wa- if it was my way, I would have had my own class, but I don't for a reason, right? I don't want a whole class. I don't want to make it all, all about what I think. So, you know. I love that. I also do love that you just said for good and bad, because what I am thinking is about sometimes I like to, um, stay a little under a radar because I, <laughs> because, you know, then you get everybody asking you everything. And again, we're, I'm a people pleaser. And so I don't ever want to say like, I don't have time to help with that right now. Cause I'm busy. Um, and so there was, I would find myself in those challenging situations too, where like one, I didn't have all the answers anyway. And two, I don't have all the time in the world. And so like, has that ever, how do you balance where like we need to be able to say no right or or have boundaries you know and so if we're really good at the collaboration piece and everybody loves us and is coming to us all the time that can get tricky um i mean i get it's like building the village right so like i've got my people and i'll say you know hey i'm really stressed you know on my back end people right that i'm really close with and saying like this is a lot you know can i come hide out in your office and and write my paperwork and make and make and hold me accountable right it's like no different than us when we do the like you know uh hey let's go work out together right like hey everyone's bombarding my office can i go hide out in yours and make sure that we get this stuff done Right. Or, or I really need to sit and do this and, and, and connect with that, with that trusted person and say, like, look, this is, this is what's like overwhelming me right now. And, and kind of say, and a lot of times I've told teachers like, Hey, I'll swing by if I've got a chance versus them coming visiting me. I, again, I like to be out and about. So they know that I'll stop by, which puts the kind of power into like, Oh yeah, she'll swing by. She always does. Um, versus them coming to look for me. Or if they do look for me and I'm never in my office because I'm always walking around, right? I'll like, here, send me an email. I'll swing by when I can, or I'll pop in when I get a chance. Um, And then putting that on my timetable versus like waiting for people to come and visit me and then having it be too much. So. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really good. And I, you know, I wasn't planning on, if this happened in the last episode too, I wasn't planning on talking about Kit, but that's the other thing I am so excited about. The, the new app coming out was that idea of collaboration. That's the whole reason we're, we're creating something new. And um, I really think that is going to be a pivotal part is 
the quick and easy ability to share information and conversation and communication with each other on a team when, you know, trying to find times that fit for everybody to, to have those conversations. It's really tricky or waiting too long for an email response, you know, because the right. teacher's not in their email inbox all the time. Um, and so I do, I think that was kind of the, that's the feature I'm probably the most excited about um, because I think it's going to be game changing. I think a lot of us personally don't have buy-in for, for being more collaborative because of time. I think it is overwhelming to try to meet with that many teachers to get their curriculum and their activities and those vocabulary lists and figure out when to get into those classrooms because you've got these other groups that do need to get pulled out. And I think that's the part that's the trickiest. Sarah a lot Lane of times. Kit, a new product from SLP Toolkit. For more information, please visit com. That's K-I-T-F-O-R-T-E-A-M-S dot com. <laughs> Thank you for that commercial. I was supposed to say we're going to be take right, we'll be right back in time for a commercial. Because <laughs> we have no sponsors during this podcast at all. So that was good. That was good, Lisa. But I will um, say though, when you do concurrent minutes and the more often you do it as it builds, it builds more time into your schedule because you're working yes. with other people at the same time, which should open up time. Not it's not that, always perfect. But I mean, even when we switched to preschool, we were the previous team was doing evals on their own, right? They would schedule SLP and then they'd schedule OT at a certain time and then schedule psych. And I came in and was like, that's not going to, I'm not having that, right? Because I like to watch other people and I want to see how, what the kid says to the other people so I can write it down. If I'm working with them, I can't. And so we smushed everything. We just said, let's let's just try it. It's a whole new team. Let's try it and smush it all together and test at the same time. We got like four hours back in a day and all of us were like, what do we, what do we, what do, we do with this? Because mm -hmm. it, what would have taken us all day to eval and schedule, we got it all squished and we were like, oh, we're done. Okay, that's great. So then we move on to the next thing. Oh my gosh, if that doesn't give you buy-in, everyone listening, that should be it. And that goes into that creative piece too, about why you know we, we do we need to be creative in this so that, oh my gosh, to get that kind of time back. And is... again, we went in with it with the mindset of if it didn't work, right? If we didn't get all the information, then we would individually schedule more time after. But let's all sit in a room together with the kid and see what we get because they don't want to be there any longer than we do. So start there. And then if you need to add more time, you always can. But it's silly Fantastic. to start separate and then come back together. Well, and that makes me think of too, you know, obviously it's a little trickier when we have to give the self, um, you know, or something like that. But the dynamic assessment piece is what we're also really focused on right now. And that is very easy to do with collaborating with mm -hmm. other professionals. Um, and so, oh, that's awesome. I've never even thought about collaborating when it comes to like the eval process. Right. That's like the best kind of data you get is that more like natural, contextual, oh, cool. And that's I don't have to, idea. if I'm entertaining the kid, if I'm the one that's keeping them engaged, <clears throat> then I'm not writing anything down. I, I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I, I don't have the skills for that. So again, if I have somebody else, another professional in the room with me, hey, take them for five minutes or here, can you use the bear? I don't care what you do with the bear. Just use the bear <laughs> and see what they talk about, what they say about the bear. And then I can write that language sample down without me needing to be directly engaged with the, with the kid and not seeming like he's just wandering around the room. <laughs> so. Fantastic. 
Oh my gosh, it's so good. I'm literally thinking, we don't do this very often, but I am. I'm hoping whoever's listening will email us for anything else that we did not cover. And, and I'm still, if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about too, let's do that. But email us these questions because I want to do a follow-up. I do think this is the one that people struggle with the most in the school setting. I really do. It's, um, it's an art. It's definitely a skill. It's an but art. It's one that I think with an open mindset, you can you can find the spots. And again, with that mindset of it's not everything, right? It's not everybody. It's not everything. It's not every student. It's just build like building blocks, right? You're building those pieces. I'm thinking we get the questions and then Rachel does an SLP summit or something for us. Literally. That's in my head. I'm already like, yeah, this that is would be course. amazing. It needs to be a course. I think so too, because we had, um, oh gosh, I, again, name finding, help me, Perry. Oh, Perry Flynn. Perry Flynn did a, a summit course a couple of years ago on uh, service delivery models and, and the different types of service delivery models, which obviously we all need to be doing because that's least restrictive in structure, our environment. And that's also individualized education plans. You should not have 55 kids getting pulled into your speech room. Right. If you do, I'd start to question why you're doing that. Um, but, well, I know why I was doing it. It's comfortable. <laughs> what am I saying? I know exactly why I did it. Right. Um, but but we should be doing what's best for the students in, in a least restrictive environment. And so it was great talking about those different types of service delivery models. But I was still missing that practical piece of how to do it successfully. Right. So, um, well, I mean, he, he gave, actually did give great ideas too, but I would love to continue this conversation. So email us. Um, what's the best email, Lisa? Hello at slptoolkit.com. Okay. I, I thought there was a different one for the podcast. Podcast, but... but let's just send them wherever they go. We'll yeah, get right. them. I'm sure there's an email in the show notes or something, but emails, questions, and definitely we want to follow up. And was there anything else that, you know, you... We're thinking of like, oh, I really want to be able to, you know, tell people this. Or do we cover it? Uh, I mean, the other, the only other piece is that like direct that I had on my notes was direct versus indirect of like, oh. you know, being with kids versus indirect. And, and I've been pretty forthcoming with parents like, hey, look, I am going to get with your child's team and we are going to come up with a plan. That is also instruction, right? That is, that is dedicated time that we have. Because if, if I don't get that time, then my direct instruction is not as effective, right? It's, so it's part of their plan. It's part of their team and making sure that, yeah, that, that's, that's expected and it should be expected, but I'm going to block it out in their IEP and say, I have indirect time with other professionals and, you know, updating the, the device and working on, you know, training others. That's all part of this student's plan and it's just as effective as me sitting down with them and saying, you know, with the student and saying, okay, we're going to do this. Or we're going to do this because again, if they only work with me for 30 minutes twice a week, and then at the same time, the other times are just empty. That, that indirect instruction or that indirect time with other professionals is effective, right? Communicating with the parents, Hey, we worked on this this week, you know, or so-and-so, you know, I'm sending, I'm sending stuff home. You're only going to get that if you've, if you've been forthcoming of saying, yes, we're going to talk about this as a group. We're going to keep this open and we're going to connect each week on that. So are you doing not with everybody? I was going to say not with everybody because it wouldn't make sense with everyone. But for the students that make sense with, you're writing in a, a specific amount of time indirect. 
mm-hmm. and direct therapy minutes. Is it now have I added more time to my schedule or it's, I was going to give him 45 minutes a week direct. So now I'll do 15 indirect, 30 direct. How are you doing that? I usually do it with the three to one model. So on on that indirect week, you know, if um, I encourage the other professionals, you know, again, this is more of that specialized professionals, not necessarily those teachers, but hey, can you work that, you know, for these medically complex kids, right? Can you work that in? And then on that indirect week, they're, the, the student's going to get some time off, right? And then we're going to re, re-up our plan. We're going to prep our materials for them. We're going to make sure that the nurse knows what they need to do, or we're going to make sure that we've got the materials ready to go or our PowerPoints or all that stuff so that everybody has that during that indirect week. And again, connecting with them, but letting the parents know that that's what I'm doing, right? Like, yes, I might not be directly with your student, but there are tons of other adults in the building that need to know what your student is doing to be successful. And you can be training them. They're with the student all day. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that time, then you don't typically have the time to do that training that will help to support them throughout their whole day. I love that. That's part two is I wouldn't want to talk more about 3-1 service delivery model because I know we've touched on it here and there, but I think that's huge. Um, can you bill for indirect or no? I think there's a... There, I, I can't know. remember that either. Nothing we'll matters. We'll have to look it up. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think so. I think it's only direct services, but I think one of the other things that I remember having an SLPA once that worked in a middle school and this idea of that we have to be moving our mouths at all time for it to be specially designed instruction. And I, for in this case, like I went in, she was going into a resource room and they were talking about the Dust Bowl. And I was like, do a thinking map. To, what, when the teacher's talking about all of this stuff, map it out. So then when the student's called on, they can refer to the map. It's just helping to structure their thinking. That is still specially designed instruction. It's just not, your mouth does not have to be moving 24 seven, but we put that pressure on ourselves, I think it, and it's just, it, it is all about just being creative and being truly individualized is what I'm hearing from you too, is just that everything you're doing is for that student it might look a little different for each of the students on your caseload, but being and open. Like, and again, understanding that you get to change your mind too, right? Like we, we had a weekly collaboration for this medically complex student and we'd get together with the professionals and she made tons of growth. And then she came back, you know, she had some, some surgery complications and she came back and she was struggling to make some more, you know, as much growth with the amount of time that we were together with her. So we said, all right, we got to, we got to reset. Got to pivot. So we dropped, you know, we said, okay, three professionals is too much for her. Let's drop up, you know, I'm going to swing over here and I'm going to go on this time, but I'm going to up my indirect minutes so that I can, I can make sure that I'm touching base with them, but I'm not going to be as involved during her therapy time because it's too much for her right now. She's not in a place. And the parent was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like her stamina is really low. You know, her tone is acting up. Some of that medical pieces are just too much. Like let's work that down. And then you can build communication. And again, it's this back and forth and we changed our mind and the IEP just changed to reflect it. And we just said, okay, like, and we'll keep you posted, right? Like we're, we're allowed to change our mind. Right. That, that's okay. <laughs> and that's what you just said. And we'll keep you posted. That is the key. As long as we are in communication, I, I think that is what saves us from any of the, the tension that can come some, sometimes come from, you know, other team members or family members 
when it comes to their, their child's, you know, progress and, and yeah, the documentation and the communication is, is huge. Um, and those are the things I think I know Lisa and I are constantly trying to figure out how to improve because they're, they're both very tricky things to do when we have large caseloads. Right. And have to be a master of all things, which we don't have to be, but technically we do. Um, so I love this conversation so much. Thank you I, again for your time and your knowledge. Um, and I do, I see a part two, hopefully a summit coming. So think on that one. You're writing your presentation. Oh God. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> a couple, two, three. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun to talk yeah. about.